Welcome to Men in Charge. I'm Tony Flynn. And I'm Kevin Decker. Welcome to Men in Charge Season 11, the vestigial season, the extra season nobody wanted. And it is not only Season 11, but Episode 11. 11-11, like in that spooky film by Jordan Peele. or, Or Armistice Day. Yeah, that's right. And we're recording this on Bastille Day, which is another day. We wouldn't think it was another day, but it's another day. It's another day. And today's episode is entitled Climb Into the Happiness Chimney. Something that I think we all probably remember from sleepaway camp. Kids (laughs) kids would get homesick and inevitably turn that on their fellow tent mates. And eventually the counselors would have to come in, break it up, and send the insider to the happiness chimney. And then they'd have to fetch their own kindling (laughs) for their time in the happiness chimney, wouldn't they? And if you're doing camp in the desert, that's really rough. You have to look for, like, dried cactus. No, 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 it's it's moist. It gets dried. But I'm sure you have your own camp experience. We've talked a lot about camp here on Men in Charge over the years. The Lower Heights Child Labor Camp. Forced Labor Camp. Forced Labor Camp. They're not willing, you know, when you put them on the back of the pickup truck. I I don't know why I'm laughing about that, because if I recall correctly, I got pulled out of a helicopter at that camp. You did, and you're still there for all we know. still there. Yeah, that's right. There's so many versions of us just stuck in different sketches over the years. That's going to have to be a season summative question. Where is Kevin? Let us find the pieces of Kevin and see if we can reassemble them in the studio. That's right. So anyway, welcome to the happiness chimney. Climb on in. (laughs) All of the great things that happen in chimneys like Dick Van Dyke uh, sliding around. And the roasting of the descending Santa. That's right. And the roasting of the dissenters. (laughs) Too many no lies. You've been uh, reaching back into much of your subject matter, haven't you? That's right. I'm in my world of, of radio comedy. Well, it's a happiness chimney of its own, isn't it? It is. Well, I think it's time we get to the segments for Climb Into the Happiness Chimney. Both of them are yours. Tell us about them, Kevin. Their genesis, their progenitors, their prognosis. I, I would like to now read the notes that I made in preparation for penciling these. So long as you know, Kevin has nothing in front of him except yeah. the bear table and too There's small an amount of beer. Uh, why don't we start off today's episode with another really unneeded look at the <laughs> world of Nicholas Rowe in A Hard Row to Hoe. It's an interview show, which, as you may remember, is hosted by young Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> 1985 star Nicholas Rowe, who is embittered after not being allowed to star in a franchise of young Sherlock Holmes films. Now, today's Hard Road to Ho is particularly special because it is informed by the experience of one of our cast members, Sarah O'Hare, who has been a librarian for several years and has experienced all sorts of bizarre things at the library, from giant Gatorade jars full of sugar left in bushes to individuals eating their lunch in the bathroom. So we're going to learn, uh, we're going to learn about what librarians do on a daily basis. Pretty exciting. And it's about time Nicholas Rowe got to this subject. It is. And I know some of you are upset because you're opposed to big library. I just saw a car yesterday (laughs) with a sign that said, stop big library. But we hope that you can just press those feelings down and just cheerlessly laugh your way through the hard road to host sketch. After that, an entirely new sequence called Deirdre and Sleestack. 
You have for many years enjoyed the British buddy cop women comedies. Uh, well, they're well, not, they're not, not comedies. They're not comedies. There's but a lot of mutilation and brutality, there, there typically. Is. But somehow, for some reason, I keep laughing at them anyway. And this is one set in South Sudbury, which everybody knows is one of the million suburbs of London. <laughs> um, and it actually is a rather unusual buddy cop pair up because Deirdre Blythington Bump has a new partner named Speaks to Me, who is a sleestack, a reptilian creature from the Jurassic period. So we'll see how they fare together. And the mystery that is set up in this episode will be solved in a subsequent one coming up soon. And this series is going to be going on almost as long as Midsummer Murders, right? That that is now in yeah. its forty seventh season. <laughs> it is correct. <laughs> well, the only thing that's gone longer is The Archers, which is now in its one hundred and thirty eighth season. Yeah, The Archers radio serial began <laughs> before radio. It did. It did. It was literally people speaking into the wind near Stonehenge. Okay. And now, listener, from the same charmless, drab studios that brought you British buddy women detective series like Rosemary and Time, Scott and Bailey, Sparrow and Nightingale, and Shakespeare and Hathaway, comes the breakaway, completely new buddy detective series, also set in Britain, also broadcast tea time. It's Deirdre and Sleestack. Good morning. Would you like some tea? There's been a murder. Meet Deirdre Blythington Bump, a detective inspector who's been hardened walking the streets and poking into the secrets of the township of South Sudbury. Hello, Fisherman Ellis. Hello! Deirdre's struggling to readjust after her last partner, Susan Merde, was kicked off the South Sudbury force because their names together would have sounded stupid as the title of a buddy investigator show. Well, let's see who the chief investigator's assigning me as my new partner. Chief Inspector, I believe you requested to see me. Is this about a new partner? It is indeed, Deirdre. I'd like you to meet your new partner. I'm sorry, ma'am, but there's no one else in the cubby save you and me. Your new partner, Deirdre. Oh, now I look in the corner, I see what you mean. Seems like nobody's here, but... Oi, speaks to meet. <gasps> speaks to meet is a sleestack. A reptilian humanoid who fell into the present out of some kind of wormhole, it's also capable of blending into its surrounding environment, which is a perk. It's horrifying. It's good to meet you, too. Now, D.I. Blythington Bump, show a little sensitivity to involuntary temporal immigrants. After all, Speaks to Meet's credentials as a Jurassic D.I. were unimpeachable. They just needed to be translated from the Archaeo-Sleestack tongue. I was very happy to provide the translation service. Very well, then. Let's shake hands and get some good detective work done. I offer you the talons of friendship, partner. Uh, will it feel slimy? No, cool and 
scaly, but according to my people's creed, I must take a sample of your blood as we shake claws. Oh, you need to ask permission to get humans' blood. Didn't you learn that at Sleestack Finishing School? Deirdre, don't make me order you to work with D.I. Speaks to Meet. It's spending its first week here in our geological epoch, and I need someone who really knows South Sudbury like the back of her hand to show it around. I need you, Deirdre. Oh, yes, all right. Keep your bloomers on. I'll work with it, I will. Since my last short-lived partner, Susan Merde, was an open-mouth chewer, this could actually be a step up. I am so sorry to hear about the short life of your last partner. I hope that you at least consumed a portion of her brain in order to retain a store of her precious memories. Honestly, I have no idea what happened at her going away fit we threw at the gauntlet and throat. Our cop was a local pub, mind you. The way I felt the next morning, I certainly could have been eating brain. <laughs> See, you're finding common ground in no time. Now get out and pound those streets with a bowl of chalk. What will such ground human bones do when thrown to the streets? <laughs> human bones? That's not what chalk is made up of, old chap. And I was speaking cockney. Bowl of chalk means take a walk. Chalk one up for calcium carbonate. I am not familiar with the tastes of your cockneys. Where do you raise them? They're not animals. They're EastEnders. Listener, a distinction without a difference makes no difference. But since so few of you out there, as pragmatists a la William James, actually care, we'll just continue with the story. We catch up to the two odd detective bedfellows on the main business avenue of South Sudbury, Cheapham down the drain court. This is the very short human street. And it's shorter and it wouldn't exist. We call it a cul-de-sac, dearie. The phrase is French for a route leading nowhere. Just like our careers, eh, Pet? Speak for yourself, dearie human. I am quickly working my way up the line of sleep-step crime protection. Nothing going on here. We're just round the corner from Ruby's American Tea Room, darling. Why don't we pop in for a cuppa? Actually, I wanted to point out... Wait, are my... Are my old ears giving out? Or did you just say crime protection? Yes, where I come from, a pocket dimension was finally tangential to this one. The purpose of police is to protect the criminal, not the public. Oh, you and me are gonna have a right good old time. What did you want to point out? In my reality or yours, I don't believe that detective inspectors go out looking for crimes to solve. Shouldn't we be back at the office looking over reports? 
Why, yes, precisely, me old mucker. I've had a new partner for less than a day, and already we've accidentally subverted the whole modus operandi of the radio detective show. And so Deirdre in the sea stack mildly frustrated with the scriptwriter's laziness, retraced their steps to Sudbury Yard, where Chief Inspector Sino French is waiting for them with a juicy case. An assault at Ruby's tea room. D.I. Blythington bump and D.I. speaks to meet. I need you two on the case. Ah, uh, we was just within spitting distance of Ruby's American tea room. Why'd we bother to come all the way back here? Here, we may use my teleportation pylon for a quick return. Why didn't you say you had that in the first place, love? You'd have saved me corns on me feet. And so, back at Ruby's American Tea Room, we see Ruby herself taking care of a customer who seems poorly. Gordon Bennett, where did you come from? The new Sudbury Yard isn't just all corner CCTVs, you know, Ruby. Now, thanks to this slee stack, we've got teleporters and such. Uh, welcome to Ruby's American Tea Room. Slee stack? Would you like a kappa? Perhaps Lipton Orange Pico? Or Louisiana Tea plus Chicory? Your tea would poison my kind human. Do you have any fresh, raw, cockney meat? <laughs> Deirdre, maybe you and your new uh, partner should check out the victim over here. Oh. Gerald here comes here every day for a cold Arnold Palmer with milk and two sugars. Today, he was followed in by someone in a balaclava over his face. And Gerald was coshed. Did the assailant take anything? No, but he did yell. That's for the altrusions. This creature's cranium is significantly dented. And, come to think of it, when he cried out, he sounded like he had a terminal case of bronchitis. Just like your new friend here, Deirdre. The shape of the dent is similar to that of a sleestack ansible. Ruby. Speaks to me here was with me when the CI says you called the crime in. But that means... Yes, human skin bag of mostly water. There is another slea stack loose in South Sudbury. Gosh, my nascent American us versus them mentality is nudging me towards suspecting speaks to me because of dislike for the unlike. Now, Ruby, why don't you brew up some Arkansas patchouli tea and we'll try to like it. Here, Gerald, let's get your head under a pillow. I mean, a pillow under your head. I'll serve it up in mason jars, just as the customers like it. Now that she's gone, can you blow the gaff? What's all this about ansibles and altrusions? 
I know you cannot see my look of intense concern, Deirdre, because of my outer carapace. But this crime has me very worried. The altrusians were the race that the Sleestack are descended from. And an ansible? What's that when it's at home? It is a ceremonial weapon that was outlawed thousands of your English years ago when the final altrusians were banished from Sleestack society. Well, it's a good thing you know so much about ancient dodgy weapons. I am afraid that this case is only beginning, D.I. Blythington Bump. We must take a journey. A journey? To where? I hope there's a chip shop. We must travel to my home and consult the Book of Skulls. And that's all the time we have today for Deirdre and Sleestack. What is the mystery of the Sleestack in the Balaclava? Why does it want revenge for the Altrusians? Will Deirdre get her chips? Will Speaks to Meat get prime cuts of Cockney? And is Chief Inspector Sino-French really Sino-French or some other nationality? Tune in next time. Men in Charge, the most interesting men in the world. Hey listener, have you ever been blacklisted from having a cushy job in Hollywood? Are you a noble quitter? Do people cross the street when they recognize you in a crowd? Join your host, former child prodigy actor Nicholas Rowe, because, as he constantly reminds us, life is a hard row to hoe. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Nicholas Rowe. Let me set the stage for today's program. I'd like to put you in the mindset of a contemporary professional whose life is a thrill-a-minute cartwheel between syntax and semantics on the one hand and enormous amounts of sugar in Gatorade containers lying in the bushes on the other. Imagine, in other words, that you're a librarian. You wake up, rub the sleep from your eyes, and grab the morning newspaper from the stoop. As you brew your coffee, black five sugars, you scan the newspaper headlines for whether anyone at Amblin Entertainment has been brought up on fraud charges lately. Finding none, you open your laptop to find the following email sent from the head librarian at your work earlier the same morning at 4.25 a.m. It says this, Hello, all. Please let me know if you observe anyone pooping or otherwise depositing poop in the men's room sink. Apparently, according to the janitors, it's been a recurrent problem. Warm regards, Bill.
Bitcoin. Wow. Well, to get to the heart of this white-hot indictment of social mores, who is our guest today, all-too-cheerful announcer? It's memoirist and former City of Cincinnati librarian, Shauna Steele. Captive audience, why do you clap more loudly for the guests than me? Miss Steele, please have a seat. Welcome to A Hard Row to Hoe. You passed our background checks with flying colors. Yes. I've never had any personal dealings with Steven Spielberg or Barry Levinson. Not sure why that's relevant to my new book, though. Not relevant? Oh, Shauna. Shauna, Shauna, Shauna. Have you not heard about Amblin Entertainment's failure to deliver a promised sequel to 1985's film Young Sherlock Holmes? Let us sit upon the ground and tell sad stories about the death of kings. You want us to get out of the studio chairs and get on the ground? You know, story time really isn't my thing. No, it's an expression. A young me was the star of young Sherlock Holmes. Oh, forget it. We can talk about your acting career if you want. No, no, no. Forget it. Forget it. Let's return to this email, which you reproduce in full in your memoir of a lifetime in library work. It's published by Chatto and Windus. I was sure they had gone out of business already. And is entitled, Let's Hope It's Chocolate, Inexplicable Librarian Moments of My Lifetime. Yes, available at all good local bookstores, as well as online at the All Seeing Octopus web store. Most people must think that the librarian's job is pretty cut and dried. Well, we do all of the stereotypical jobs of cataloging new books and media, checking those out to people, checking them back in and reshelving them. And of course, we also point our visitors to easy to use online resources that render all of the effort I just mentioned nugatory. But poop. What in your estimation drives the average bookhound to poo in the sink? The presence of too many Catherine Coulter novels on the new bookshelves, perhaps? Well, it's probably the same thing that causes a client to belly up to the reference desk to ask for a book that gives the normal size of kidney stones. And that's unusual for what reason? <laughs> well, if they immediately pull out an old pill bottle one with their own recently passed kidney stone to measure against it. Do you begin to see the concern? Yes. But uh, let's return to the email. Library customers, would you characterize them as rebellious, resistant to social norms? Some of them, yes, but... For example, could you imagine them saying... The man wants to herd me to these shiny latrines in his library bathroom, but I have control over my own body. Since I'm a man, not a woman, in America, and so I'm going to slop gruel, as it were, in Oliver's bowl over there by the Dyson hand dryers. <laughs> well, as librarians, we really only see the effect of customers' delinquency. Seldom are we privileged enough to be around at the inception of their idea. But, for example, we try to loosen up the rules around computers to get some of our more ubiquitous visitors to check bus routes, apply for jobs, 
or improve their reading, typing, or research skills. Anything to get them out on the streets and away from the library, eh? Not really what I had intended to imply, no. You'd think that visitors would realize that computers and food and drink don't mix, but that didn't stop one of our customers from bringing an entire German chocolate cake and strategically placing it near her mouse pad for eating while surfing the web. Mmm, German chocolate. I'm allergic to coconut. Of course you are. The cake, did she finish it? Oh, you bet. Uh, Another dude had an extra-large pizza delivered to the library to eat while reading comics online. You Americans and your need to seriously exceed a modest daily calorie count. (laughs) Well, I hope he was enjoying Charles Schultz's classic peanuts with his pepperoni. No, it was Japanese manga. Uh, Because I ended up cleaning his keyboard later, I'll never forget the title of what he was reading. Karatsujiya Saika Shoka, Suretanaka Ordaka, Nokanta Jesugia. Oh, that roughly translates out to my entire class was summoned to another world except for me, doesn't it? That's right. Well, frankly, I, you know, I'd rather have people eat by the computers where we can keep an eye on him rather than dine in the bathrooms. We found burrito wrappers and empty cans of White Claw hard seltzer in the stalls. Ugh. Well, it's a party in the lobby. Speaking of which... I have quite a collection of hate group leaflets and used floss at home, all recovered from the stacks and the conference rooms. And I wanted you to have a piece of memorabilia from my time in Cincinnati. Oh, how thoughtful. Here. Big Mouth Billy Bass. What is this, this, uh, dare I call it, monstrosity? Press the button and find out. Ugh. Is it sanitary? It was found in a bathroom, I assume. Oh, yes. But it's been cleaned and sanitized. I even changed the batteries before the show. Here goes. How charming. Do you see the irony? The fish is caught, dead, laminated on the wall, but it tells you... Don't worry. Be happy. (laughs) I see. And is this the same kind of mantra that made your days at the Cincinnati Public Library bearable? No. But when we were bored and a little stir-crazy, we would go to one of the Hamilton County libraries and put a nest of mice in their outdoor book drop. (laughs) So you gave as good as you got. Right up until the end. Can I ask your listeners once again to get a copy of my memoir? You're also available as an audiobook read by Tilda Swinton on air. Nope, that's my prerogative. But people at home, what she said. And that's all the time we have for A Hard Row to Hoe with Nicholas Rowe. Tune in again for more Hollywood-inspired bitterness and recrimination. It's time for Kevin to tell me that it's time to thank our cast. Tony, it's time for me to tell you that it's time to thank our cast. And that's my job today, isn't it? So today's episode of Men in Charge, Climb Into the Happiness Chimney, starred Nancy Raw, Kevin Decker, Ann Porter, Jody Stewart-Strobel, Scott Herrick, Tony Flynn, and Sarah O'Hare. 
We'd also like to thank the four who sell dice with their faces on them. Vern Windham, Carrie Boyce, Nancy Roth, Savannah Rothy, Nisha Schramm, and the only man who dreams not of flight, but of walking home all the way from Wichita, Brian Lindsay. How charming. Do you see the irony? The fish is caught, dead, laminated on the wall, but it tells you, don't worry. 